Hello everyone, this is Bola Shokunbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So your well-being at work ties into your financial wellness and it also ties into your mental health. And so this conversation today on how to deal with racism and create an anti-racist culture in your workplace is extremely important to whether you are an employee or an employer. And to join me on the podcast today is a dear friend of mine who has been on the podcast in the past, and her name is Dorian St. Fleur. Building on her experience developing diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies for companies like Google and AppNexus, Dorian is a racial equity strategist and speaker for organizations that want to build an anti-racist workplace. Her areas of focus include employee engagement and retention, inclusive hiring and onboarding, and leadership accountability. She also provides culturally responsive and inclusive career and leadership coaching for women of color in the corporate world. Dorian has given multiple talks and has appeared on virtual and in-person stages at Columbia Business School, Dress for Success, Google, Fast Company, and Women's Leadership Forum. She is from Brooklyn, New York, and is currently living in San Jose, California with her husband and her daughter. And so Dorian is the perfect person to have this conversation with me. And on this episode of the podcast, we covered why she chose this line of work, what racial discrimination in the workplace is, our personal experiences with racial discrimination throughout our careers, how employees can strive for an anti-racist culture. And we also talked about what to do if you're worried about repercussions from speaking up and how employers can create and advocate for an anti-racist culture amongst other things. And so I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. This is a very important episode. And if you know anyone who will find this useful as an employee or an employer, please share. Before we get into the episode with Dorian, if you haven't stop by clevergirlfinance.com in a while. Please do. We have a ton of new content on the blog every single week. We are churning out those articles based on the questions that you are asking us. And of course, our courses remain free. We have over 30 plus completely free courses for you to check out. And when you sign up for a Clever Girl Finance course, you can also schedule a free call with a Clever Girl Finance mentor. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. I'm excited to have you tune in. And if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And be sure to head on over to iTunes to leave a review if you love what you're listening to. And finally, stop by Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is called Clever Girl Finance. We have new videos every week, and it's also a great way to put faces to the voices that you're hearing on the podcast as well. Okay, so let's now get into this episode with Dorian. Hey, Dorian, welcome back to the Clever Girls No Podcast. Hey, Bola, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you back as a guest to share your amazingness with everyone listening. And so I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am Dorianne St. Fleur, and I am a career and leadership development coach, as well as a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist. Um, I have, I am also the CEO and founder of yourcareergirl.com, and I'm obsessed with doing work that really empowers women of color to take charge of their careers, um, and really speak up for themselves so that they can thrive in their professional lives. And I love the work that you do because it's one thing to, you know, work on improving your career and pursue career opportunities. But as a woman of color, you know, those career opportunities go hand in hand with diversity issues and inclusion issues and equality issues. And so I think that the work you're doing is so, so important. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. 
it actually because of because of how intertwined those two topics are careers a, a career as a woman of color and diversity and inclusion is literally how I ended up doing all of this. So the last time I was here, I was talking about the career coaching and your career girl, et cetera. And since then, so many of the stories and the experiences that I kept hearing from my clients was around, well, I'm doing all of these things. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm you know, caring about my personal brand, all of this, but I'm still hitting a wall. And that was when I realized, okay, yes, I'm doing this work at the individual level, which is important and I will continue to do it. But there needs to be something at the organization level, and that's where the DNI strategy comes in. So these things are absolutely related, and I love that I get to do work on both sides. I love that. And for folks who have not heard your um, earlier episode, which was about a couple of years ago on the podcast, I'd love for you to share a bit more about why you got into this space, this line of work of helping women, helping women of color, just, you know, become more empowered with pursuing career opportunities and also now promoting, you know, organizational diversity um, tips and suggestions and advice um, on this now addition to you, to the work that you're doing? Yeah. So it started about almost six years ago now, I guess, where I was at a crossroads in my own career. Most of my career has been in, uh, well, all of my career has been in corporate America and I've done work in human resources, diversity and inclusion, operations, and that work has been in, you know, finance and tech at these large global companies doing all of this work. And so I've experienced a lot of things in my career. And there came a point where I really just wanted help. I wanted support. I wanted someone to coach me through what my next step should be. And so I did what most of us do when we're looking for help and looking for things. I went to Google and I typed in career coach. <laughs> <laughs> and when I typed in career coach, um, I was just seeing a lot of great and amazing career coaches, but they weren't, I didn't feel like I could relate to them. I was looking specifically for a woman of color who'd been in financial services or some sort of corporate America type of uh, field and who could really help me navigate what it meant to be a Black woman who is upwardly mobile, who is super ambitious and wants to understand her next step. And I literally could not find anyone that I felt could relate to me on those levels. And so literally <laughs> a light bulb went off in my head um, where I said, you know what? There's, you can't be the only person who's looking for this kind of support in your career. You have a background in human resources. You, you've been helping people along the way, change their careers, upgrade their resumes, get ready for interviews, all of these things. You can do this. And just like that, I started Your Career Girl, literally just like that. I, I created my Instagram account, my website, and the rest is history. So I, I it, this really came out of a need uh, for myself that I ended up just expanding and creating this platform where women of color, no matter where they are in their careers, they can come in and, and find the tools, the resources, the support, the community that they need to improve where they are in their professional lives. And I love that. I love that. So let's kind of get into the meat of the conversation. And I want to start by asking the question, what is racial discrimination in the workplace? Because this is something that a lot of people might feel like they know what it means, but 
not everyone is completely clear on the realm of things that could fall under racial discrimination in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And even myself working (laughs) in corporate America, when I did, I experienced racial discrimination in the workplace, but in a very subtle way to the point that when I reflect back on it, I was like, wait a minute, that was absolutely not okay because it's hard to define okay, this is a joke or they're being friendly or they just don't know. So I want you to explain it to us. What is racial discrimination in the workplace? Yes. So very simply, racial discrimination is when a person is treated unfairly because of who they are or because of um, a racial group that they belong to. And that unfair treatment can be overtly hostile, where it's like, whoa, what is happening? You are being unfriendly and opposing toward me. This is conscious, all of that. And it can range from that to covert kind of gray area to what you talked about, where it's like, is this really happening? Am I being too sensitive? Um, The underlying thing there, though, is that the person, the the target of this, the woman of color, um, is being treated unfairly solely because of um, her her racial identity. And what's tricky about this is that a lot of the time, it's unconscious to the person who's doing the discrimination. Not all of the time. I know people will have you believe, oh, it's all unconscious bias and we don't need, no, no, no. Sometimes people are purposely... treating you this way. Intentionally. Intentionally (laughs) doing this, right? There's nothing unconscious about it. But there are times where, you know, can I touch your hair? Or, oh, I didn't realize both of your parents were still married. (laughs) Or um, you have a husband? Or, you know, your daughter is in private school? Like some of those offhand comments um, are not necessarily intentional, but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And so a lot of the work that I do with organizations is helping them focus on the impact of this discrimination as opposed to the intent. It doesn't really matter if you meant to punch me in the face, it hurt and you did it. And so we need to talk about the the, the impact of that. So that in a nutshell is what we're, is what discrimination is. And, you know, based on what you described, that also ties into gender discrimination. It also ties into discrimination around your sexual orientation and the other types of discrimination that could exist in the workplace. Yes, yes. There's so much, so many different categories that people are discriminated against at work. Um, We're talking about race specifically right now, but as you mentioned, all of the domains that are there, absolutely. And so... What personal experiences have you had? I would like to know, and I'm sure people listening would like to know, and I can start by sharing one of mine. Um, and it was a subtle form. And it was just um, for the longest time after I got married, I used my maiden name. Um, I didn't change my name until fairly recently uh, after I had kids. And, you know, one day somebody said to me, um, I think it was like looking at a picture of my wedding or just something that my husband's picture came to light. And she's like, oh my God, you know, your husband does this. I didn't realize he was black. So basically it was by virtue of my husband's job, there's no way he could have been a black guy. And so, wow. And so I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no, it's just my assumption. I was like, yeah, that was a wrong assumption. And I kind of left it there because 
I was infuriated inside and I felt like if I had said further words, it could have become out of hand. But I also did not, it wasn't something that I raised because I felt that I had addressed it and I felt that I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. But sometimes situations like these ones are situations that you have to raise. And sometimes you may not know how to respond to them, right? And so I would love to get your insight as to the experiences you've had and your take on situations like this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, even before I talk about experiences, I just want to kind of categorize what we're talking about here. And basically we're talking about microaggressions, like all of these examples that we're, we're, you, you just explained and we're talking about is, is what, is what that is. And I know the term microaggressions is, is thrown around a lot um, and it can be misleading because it has micro in front of it. You think that it's something small, but it actually is the way that racism shows up the most at work. And so microaggressions basically are, these are the, the verbal or the behavioral kind of um, actions that happen that make people who are not a part of the majority feel inferior. And so those questions, that, that, that surprise that, oh, your husband's Black? Oh, I would assume he was in jail or something if he was whack. I didn't realize he was so successful. Now, you know, you just changed my whole my mind with that. These sorts of things are microaggressions that happen and we have to, we definitely have to deal with them um, as women of color, unfortunately, in the workplace. So something things that I've dealt with, people saying, Oh, you're not like the other black girls that I've met, or when I when I see you, I just don't see a black person, or you're so articulate. It's, it's just, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Um, it's just mind-boggling, the things that people do. And, and because I've been in HR for so long, that really, like, even if it wasn't these kind of microaggressions weren't happening towards me, seeing it play out for other employees or people saying, well, yeah, I mean, I, we want to diversify our pipeline and do all these things, but we, we have to make sure we hire the most qualified person. We don't want to lower the bar. Like, what? I'm telling you to to go to other types of schools and to change the way that you're doing your interview process. And your response to me is, okay, I'll do this, but we don't want to lower the bar, dot, dot, dot. What you're really saying is by diversifying and looking for Latinx folks and Black folks and, you know, Indigenous folks, that that's lowering the bar. That's what, that's what's coded behind what they're saying. So I've heard and seen it all as an HR person, as a woman of color in the workplace. Um, And I know that people are torn sometimes because they're like, well, what do I do about it? Who do I tell? And there's some research that literally came out last week from the Society for Human Resource Management, which is also called SHRM, that they they surveyed a bunch of HR professionals. 13% of white HR professionals feel that race is an issue at work, that racial discrimination actually exists at work. Only 13%, while 49% of black HR professionals know that racial discrimination shows up in the workplace. So if our HR folks, (laughs) if our white HR colleagues don't even see race as being an issue in the workplace, then who do we go to? How can we go to them? Some of the clients I work with, their HR team is predominantly white. And so they don't feel comfortable reaching out to these people. What are they going to do? How do we cope? What do we deal with? And so this is the this is the trauma, the confusion, and the, the burden that a lot of women of color are walking around with. They, they're dealing with these slights. 
They don't know who to go to. They raise it to HR. They're no help or don't believe them. It's really a tricky situation that we're in. So how does an employee navigate a situation like this, especially with potential repercussions? Because we had posted, we have an article on Clever Girl Finance about just dealing with racism in the workplace. And we had posted this on Instagram and there was mixed reactions. Some people were like, yes, it has happened to me. I've called it out. I've seen it happen to other people. I've helped them help them call it out. And some people were like, well, I called it out and I got fired. Right. So there's also that fear of, okay, I have this job that puts food on the table. It's helping me pay for my kids' school, like priorities, financial goals. And this is happening to me. But if I report it, what if I get fired? How do you navigate um, these types of situations? How do you dispel the fears around standing up for what's right for yourself and advocating for yourself um, as a woman of color, as a person of color who is experiencing racism in the workplace? How do you do that? Yeah, it's very real. I think the first thing you do before you even make a decision is to really sit down and reflect on what's at stake, right? You know your financial situation, you know the culture of your organization, you know the the temperament of your manager and your HR team better than anyone else. And so sit there and reflect, is my organization the type of organization that will support me and advocate for me? Or will I get fired for raising these sorts of things? And if I do get fired, is that something that I can tolerate right now based on where I am with my, you know, obligations and my finances, et cetera? Do some very real kind of pros and cons, reflect at what's at stake. Um, also think about the objective of you reaching out or, or raising something. What is your objective? Is it just to be heard? Then you can think about if I just want someone to know that this has happened, maybe I won't go to HR. Maybe I'll just speak to a confidant or a trusted ally at the organization just to get it off my chest. You know, really think about what's my objective and then who needs to know about it based on my objective and couple that with and then what's the worst case scenario? I've done my reflection. This is what's at stake. I think doing that sort of analysis first is key. I do not advocate just go out there and just say anything because you have to be aware of what the potential consequences could be. It's very real. There's a woman in my Facebook group, literally same thing. She she complained and within a week, Within a week, she was fired. No severance, no nothing. So this is absolutely happening. Um, so my advice is to really understand the cost, understand the consequences first. That said, if you're in a position where, okay, I've assessed the risk, you know, it's not that high that I'll be fired, or if I was, it doesn't matter, I really want to stand up for this, then I think it's real. It's figuring out who is the appropriate person that I need to go to. Um, like I mentioned earlier, some, it should be HR, but sometimes it's not. And so really assessing who, who do I want to carry this, in, this, this information to, um, who do, is the right person to assess it. I'm a fan of speaking up in the moment. And so I use humor uh, to kind of disarm things. So for example, if someone says, oh, you speak so well for a black woman or, or something like that, I'm like, well, as opposed to what? Or what were you expecting? <clears throat> or if I feel like I'm being excluded from a conversation, then I just find a way to, with adding some humor to inject myself into the conversation and do things in that way. Um, I'm also known to ask people, well, can you clarify what you meant by that? Um, or, or is that really what you meant to say? And just have them kind of give them the opportunity to clean it up and walk back with, oh, no, 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 I definitely didn't mean anything by it. This is what I really meant. 
So I think there's levels before it necessarily has to get to you're escalating and, and getting a manager or HR involved trying to speak to the person directly. Um, you can use humor, not use humor, whatever you think is comfortable, but really understanding your specific situation, the people at play um, is what I would say. Ultimately, you should not feel like you need to be a prisoner to your where you are, right? If, if you're in a situation that is toxic, people are being are discriminating against you, there's nowhere that you can turn, it's time for you to create an exit strategy. And it's not to say that you can up and leave the next day and find a job, you know, within 48 hours, maybe not. But it doesn't mean that you have to just sit there and take it. What is your plan? How are you going to transition into another organization that's going to value you and your contributions? What criteria are you going to use to test this new company to make sure that you're not just going into another situation where you're going to be having more of the same experiences as well? You own your career. And as much as the organization gives you a paycheck and the health benefits, you're also giving them your time, your experience, your value. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. So act accordingly. You, you're, you don't have to be beholden forever. And whatever your specific situation is, figure out what's my exit strategy? How do I move forward? Um, what do I need to do to get myself out? Yeah, that's that's really good information. I really I love the idea of addressing it in the moment, whether you're using humor or whether you're being really direct, like this is not a joke. Don't do that again. However you address it, addressing it in that moment can in many instances help to set the stage where that person realizes that, okay, I did this this one time, but I'm sure as heck not going to do this again because this woman is not about that, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's it's it's important to do that. But sometimes you get caught unaware, right? You get caught by surprise and you just don't have that response mm -hmm. to, to give. But I think you can also say, hey, listen, I'd love to chat with you, you know, over lunch or coffee or Zoom since we're on quarantine and pandemic. But yeah, this is what you said. And this is why I don't quite agree with it. This is why it hurts me. I've had to had I've had to have those conversations where I'm like, what you said to me, what you've done to me actually does not work for me. And sometimes I've drafted up the email that I've sent or I have drafted the email and then read it and then gone to say those words to that person. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important that you are able to have that conversation. Sometimes it's hard to have the conversation, right? But then maybe that's when a third party or intermediary comes into um into the into the into play, right? You can't have the conversation with the microaggressor or the aggressor, and then you go talk to HR, you go talk to your boss. But I think what's also really important here is giving yourself options, and that's what we talk about on this podcast all the time. When you have your finances in order, right, and everybody should have that get the hell out of Dodge account, whatever your Dodge might be. It could be exiting a bad relationship. It could be packing up your kids and wanting to, you know, needing to divorce somebody for whatever reasons. It could be leaving a job situation that is not working for you. And having that money in that bank account gives you breathing room. It gives you the opportunity to walk away from that situation and not panic and not feel overwhelmed now by your finances because you've chosen to stand up for yourself. You've chosen to stand up for what's right. Your finances in order, oh my God, gives you options. Like, and even for not just in career, but even in business, right? You don't have to work with that client 
who's being, you know, biased or who's being racist or who's making these comments because you're confident in what you have in your backup savings in your bank account. You don't have to deal with all these situations because you know that, okay, I can weather this for the next six months so that I can find another job, so I can start my business, so I can do X, Y, Z. Those two things, addressing it when it happens or finding a way to address it directly with that person and then making sure that you have that financial backing to support you if you need to exit right? Or if they exit you (laughs) is really important. Yeah. I think what a lot of people are figuring out right now is that they were trying to be so loyal and safe and all these things with their organizations. And then, oh, guess what? We're in a pandemic. We can't afford this role. You're, You're fired kind of thing. And I think it's so important to, yes, not only be focusing on, okay, well, I'm going to make these decisions. And so it's on my timing, but being ready for the unexpected, right? Things happen. And so this, this get out of Dodge account is is very serious. You just never, ever know what's going to happen. What's going to change. I've been laid off before. It's unexpected. It's like, well, where did this come from? And so being able to weather any storm that comes up is so, so important. So, One thing that is important to recognize, and we've talked about this in the past, Dorian, is that dealing with racism in the workplace, dealing with discrimination in the workplace is not just my problem or your problem as an employee, right? Um, It also is the problem of the organization, of the business owner to implement whatever needs to be done to create an anti-racist culture and to address racism in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So given that this is also what you do for organizations, what are some, how can employers, right, strive for that anti-racist culture? And it's not just, oh, here's a notice in an email, you know, after a protest, don't be a racist. It's what actionable steps, because everybody sent that email, oh, we do not tolerate racism in the office. Thank you. Goodbye. What are the actionable steps, recurring steps that an employer can take that if I wanted to go and advocate to my boss and say, okay, listen, I know that racial discrimination happens in this office. I've experienced it. I saw somebody experience it and I have reported it to HR, but it would be great if you guys can implement X, Y, Z, or, you know, there could be an employer listening to this right now that is thinking about ways to create that anti-racist culture. What are some suggestions that you would typically give? Yeah. I think that the work falls nicely into three main buckets. The first is awareness. You cannot make any changes to your culture if you don't even know what's wrong. And so the first thing that I go through with any organization that I'm partnering with is to do some sort of needs assessment. What are your, what do your employees feel? What is their inclusion sentiment? How do they feel that you are as an employer when it, as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion? And so to me, that's one of the first steps, becoming aware of the current state. And so look at your data, look at how many, what your representation looks like for the racial groups. Look at how many people are promoted and what racial groups they belong to. Go through every single uh, piece of your organization, look at your HR processes, everything from A to Z and and test for equity in there so that you can become aware of what the issue is. The second uh, piece is to accept your role in making a change. I think where a lot of organizations fall short and even some of these organizations who sent out all these emails and did these press releases is that they don't accept 
their role in the solution. So they're like, yes, racism is bad. We don't tolerate it. Okay, these are our numbers. Look at our diversity figures. We've published them on our website. And then we have two black black employees. Thank you very much. We have two black employees. We have one Latina. But you know what? All these other companies have the same thing. So we're fine. Bye. Right. It's like, okay. (laughs) And, and so accepting that, you know what, we have two black employees, one Latina, no indigenous folks uh, that, that work here. We understand that that is a problem. We accept our role in this, in the solution. These are the things that we are willing to do, like really own that there's a problem, own that there's inequity all up and through your HR processes, own that accept that and and begin to craft what your strategy is going to be. I think having just a list of DNI actions is ridiculous. It needs to be a part of an overall strategy that's embedded in your overall business goals and objectives. So that would be the second thing, accepting your role and, and creating a strategy that is embedded in your business. And then the third piece is action. Let's let's stop talking about it and let's be about it. And so the action to me is around creating new systems and new processes and new policies that are talking about how you're going to deal with inequity as it comes up, revamping processes, revamping your performance review process, your compensation process, your hiring process to make sure that it's equitable for every single employee that works at your organization, right? What is the training that your managers need, that your leadership and executives need, that your employees need? A lot of times, you know, people are trying to give this one one size fits all type of diversity training. No, depending on the the, the population within the organization, they need different competencies and different skills. And so how are you going to cater to each of those populations to teach them what it is they need to know? What, how, what practices are you going to have in play to mitigate some of these microaggressions that we talked about? It should be that you should have zero tolerance for people making, you know, racist jokes or saying things that are going to offend, you know, people from different demographics, et cetera. How are you going to deal with all of that? What are your specific action points? So I think overall organizations should focus on each of those areas that so they can stop just saying something to make because it sounds good and actually moving the needle in their organization. I agree. Um, you know, like we said, it's not just about the employee, it's about the employer as well. And the truth is that sometimes some battles you cannot fight. Sometimes you will not be able to win. Sometimes you will not get the support you need. Sometimes you will get fired, right? At the end of the day, each individual has to go from their comfort level. And for many people, this can be challenging. And so give yourself the option to be able to walk away. Whether you feel like raising this or not, even though it's, it's a good idea that you should, but if you feel like raising it or not, if you feel there's going to be repercussions, if you raise it and your employer is not being responsive, if they say they have these protocols and these things in place, but they're not implementing them, you want to allow yourself to have that option to exit that situation for your mental wellness, for your peace of mind, for your sanity, and so that you're able to stay focused on your career, right? Growing in your passion of what you want to do, growing in your skill set, growing in the industry you choose to work in, and also on your financial goals. Because sometimes when there's so much distraction in your workplace and there's all these burdens that are happening as a result of discrimination, 
your performance may start to be impacted. Your relationships at work start to be implant, impacted. Your mental wellness starts to be impacted. Your motivation to pursue your goals, including your financial goals, starts to be impacted because this thing is weighing so heavily on you that it's putting you into depression. You're feeling sad. You just don't, you're dreading going to work. It's like this thing. So just having that option is so, so key. And I would just add, you know, something that my mom raised me with, um, you know, I grew up in Europe, in Austria and growing up as a young child, racism was something that we faced every day. My mother faced it every day. Random example, we were the only Black family that lived in our neighborhood. And one night, my dad, for whatever reason, he parked the car on the street. The next morning we came out, they had stacked the tires right next to the car. They put the car in cinder blocks and they put a note on the screen. We don't want the N-word in our neighborhood. And so one thing that I learned from my mother, and she told me, especially when it comes to racism and who I am as a Black woman, is that I need to know who I am and know what my worth is. And I need to remind myself of what it took for me to get where I am and never let anybody diminish that. And my mom, she makes sure that she reminds anybody that's trying to be racist against her or whatever of that. So you have to stand firm in your worth. You have to stand confident in who you are and don't let anybody make you feel less than they are because they have their own biases or they want to be racist, you know, or whatever it is. Stand firm in your worth. That's really, really important. Yes, yes, Bola. Like I tell people every, somebody, at least once a day, I'm saying to them, it's not you, it's them. Stop internalizing that you're less than. Stop watching, looking at these statistics about how much Black women get paid and how much we're disadvantaged and internalize that. Yes, it's there. The data's there, but it's not about you. It's about them. They are missing out because they don't see your worth. And you cannot internalize that. You have to know you, you got the degree, you have the experience, you've done the work. You have to know that and you have to own that. That's where that confidence comes from to stand up for yourself and to tell people like what you're not going to do is whatever it is that you're doing. Like this is where that confidence comes from. Yes. Yeah, so give yourself the option. And it doesn't mean that right now, if you're going and if you're going through a difficult situation at your job, Maybe knowing what you're facing, you create that designated account, you build that savings into your budget, and you give yourself a timeline. Like Dorian, you had said, have that exit strategy. You know, okay, in the next six months, my priority right now is to save this money so I can get away from this job, to start looking, to start my business, to find a part-time job, whatever you need to do to get out of that situation that's not serving you, put it into play. And sometimes it will not be comfortable. Change is not comfortable. Dealing with racism at work is not comfortable. But every action you take for yourself, right, will lead you to where you want to be and will lead you to that place where you feel comfortable with what you're doing. So that's also really important. So Dorian, thank you so much for your time to have this conversation with me. Of course. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. So what's your Clever Girl superpower? Has it changed? Is it the same? What was it before? <laughs> Boy, that was years ago. <laughs> okay, let's start over. What is it now? <laughs> My clever girl superpower now, I think, is is speaking truth. I think I am so on this wave. Like, I'm not lying to nobody. I'm not diminishing myself to anybody. So I'm speaking up, and that has um, been afforded me just a lot of opportunities and the ability to just live my best life. So that's where I am right now. 
I love that. Yes. Speak up and live your best life. Teaching my daughter that. And my daughter is like the queen of speaking up. You know that age of innocence where it's like, no, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Like, just say it. Like, sometimes she says things. I'm like, if I were you, my mother, and my mother was your mother, you would have got slapped. But you know what? (laughs) I want you to speak up. And so, girl, go ahead. I'm going to let you have that, girl. (laughs) But thank you so much for having this conversation. I know, you know, for many people listening, um, it, it can be complicated. It can be difficult to experience. Um, and the way you handle it um, should be in the way that you feel serves you best and the way that you feel most comfortable about. But like we talked about, you don't ever want to allow an organization or an individual at work to minimize you. And you don't ever want to allow yourself to stay stuck indefinitely in a, in a workplace or in a position that does not serve you. So as if you are experiencing these situations, um, you know, definitely find ways to raise concerns or address the concerns um, in, the, in the way that you feel most comfortable and also give yourself the option to exit if necessary. So Dorian, any closing words for anyone listening? I, I think just to sum everything up, it's just hashtag stay ready. <laughs> <laughs> stay ready. Stay ready so that you can leave. Like keep your resume up to date, your LinkedIn, your network is popping, your bank account is growing. Like you need to stay ready so that no matter what happens, you're in a position to make some decisions. Thank you so much, Dorian. This was so awesome. Thanks for having me. So I hope you found my conversation with Dorian helpful. Racism in the workplace is a very serious issue. And if you are in the position where you are currently experiencing it, you definitely want to make sure that you get the right help. You're raising it to the right people and you're putting your best interests first. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women can find this podcast as well. And tell your best girlfriends about Clever Girl Finance too. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you on the next episode.